0: Dave, you're doing a good job with Dark Sun. Don't give in to the silliness. There's nothing wrong with dying at zero hit points. Character yes, part of the game. Ask Che Webster when you're when you guys are googling over the or ogling over the Savage Rifts campaign books. I'm telling you, my friend, zero hit points, dying at zero is fine. What's the difference between dying at zero and dying at negative five? They're just they're just numbers. Don't be scared of that zero. That goose egg is not scary. There's no reason we should have to go into negatives. It's the same thing. What if characters won unconscious at three hit points instead of zero hit points? Then would we say dying at three hit points is silly? No. Don't don't let this campaign against dying at zero win. Hold the line, man. Hold the line.
1: The
2: dice rule every random chance Take off your coat and stay a while We're rolling that deep percent time
3: Don't you worry Jason, I am holding the line I got a great response to the couple of episodes I put out about the Dark Sun campaign. I've had two sessions now. I'm really enjoying it. So I'm going to play some of the call-ins, intersperse them, probably with a few more reflections on what I'm trying to do with the Dark Sun campaign and how it's going. So let's get on with them.
4: Hi Dave. Happy Easter. Goblin Henchman here. Just a quick message about your Dark Sun episode. You said something about a flip chart adventure. I'm not familiar with Dark Sun, so I'm not sure what that means. But it did make me think of those children's books where you have like three panels, which you can flip across to generate different kind of, often different kind of uh, pictures. So, you know, you've got like a, um, you might get an astronaut head with a ballerina body with a scuba diver's legs. Um, and then if you flip the different combinations, you can get all sorts of different Im- different images. Um obviously you can generate the whole or you know, a whole picture of Elvis if you want. But it did make me wonder if anyone's ever done a dungeon like that or an encounter table where you flip sort of different panels to end up with different combinations of uh events or encounters. And also maybe a faction progression chart. You've got three factions and depending on what's happening, one of the factions is moving ahead of the others. Um, you know, to just to police your kind of world. Anyway, cheers, bye.
3: Thanks for the call, Goblin's Henchman. What they had for all of the second edition Dark Sun modules was a, a module style which they launched with Dark Sun. They created it alongside Dark Sun. I don't know uh, if they did it for any other settings around that time. I'm no great expert of second edition AD&D more generally just my my fascination with Dark Sun has always been with the setting but what they did it, it was a nifty design um so you, your module came came with two or three books um slim books one of them tended to have a, a setting story it even suggested that you read this I don't know six thousand words a bit of fluff to your players. No chance that's happening. <laughs> but um, but then the uh, the adventure information itself was pretty cool. Each encounter or location was presented on one page. Everything you needed was on one page, with the exception of some monster stats. But all of your reactions and development was 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 really nicely stripped down um actually pretty you know sparse in the way that i like a lot was you know you really only had the key info and a lot was left to the referee to fill in the gaps and then each one ended with well the players might go this way or they might go that way so it might point you on to different encounters or different locations that they might go to next but then accompanying that one of the books was uh a, a, a ring-bound flipbook of accompanying art. And the the, lo, the location or encounter descriptions would tell you, they'd say, don't show them the picture yet. and I'd say, now you can show them the picture. Uh, and that, one of the things about the dark sun setting was that the art was very evocative. So I've actually used, um, done, done captures of some of those images in the campaign because I'm doing this... I'm weaving through just a, a, largely because I just I want to get a comprehensive grasp of all the materials for the setting because I'm thinking I will publish uh, my hack for it. So I want to I want to feel that I really know it inside out. So I am I'm sort of running at a tangent to the published material. So if, if players know the published material, they'll recognise bits, but they, that won't help them very much. Um, but it's been really useful having those, you know, those, those images which were design, de- designed to capture a location or an encounter or a creature uh, for you to flash past the players, I've been putting those up in the Discord channel. So I wasn't talking about what you're talking about, subsequently this idea of Goblin Henchman's uh, has developed so you can see what he means by his flip chart uh, table design on his blog and I will put a link to the blog in the show notes. And thanks very much for the link Goblins Henchman. I really enjoy these sort of tangential, creative things that, that, that come up. I hope people follow up the link uh, and enjoy what Goblins Henchman has suggested there. I talked for a while about trap monsters and in particular about the encounter with the bloody Tamiris, which is from the, the very first published Dark Sun, module that is included in the original box set and uh that that stimulated a lot of imagination so i'm going to play all those callings together and say a few few more things about desert plants after that
2: dave uh conrad kinch here of um century and fourpence um firstly happy easter to you and yours and secondly i think the main thing with any sort of thing is in an RPG is what does it give you in terms of story and I suppose the thing that can be said for the cacti and uh, the, the monster that you described is that um, you know they do establish Dark Sun as planet of the bastards now whether that is useful in the long run is another question but it's, it's not a bad narrative note to hit in an introductory adventure. Um, but I think you're you're right that this should be an opportunity for um, ranger or druid PCs to show off their chops, and for them to sort of demonstrate their expertise. Um, you know, sort of give give them their opportunity to shine. Um, the other thing is is that I suppose in that encounter. Uh, and I think you've 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 pitched it right in that there is a, there's something to be gained, and there's some there is a danger, uh, rather than just danger, or at least just danger isn't interesting after, the first encounter, but is this a plant that the PCs could use? Could they use it to defend something? Um, can they rely on these cacti as a source of water? Um, over time, once they've learned how to to make use of it i I suppose yeah just just going back to it you've you've sort of hit the nail on the head but uh the wildlife is sort of important to the the theme of dark sun
5: hi dave i really enjoyed your episode on dark sun trap monsters fantastic stuff lots of fun and i look forward to uh where that's all going to go um The bloody Tamaris, I had a thought about this. Um, uh, you, You talked about putting it by a real oasis, perhaps. It occurred to me this, this might be what I would do. Um, instead of only having a bloody tamaris, I would also have, let's say, a golden tamaris. And the golden tamaris offers you something very tasty, and very delicious. But the problem is you only know whether you're dealing with a bloody tamaris or a golden tamaris until you cut it open. That's to say, until it's too late.
6: Hey, Dave, that plant, the blood-sucking plant from Dark Sun that you described has really caught my imagination. I like the idea of the sap being the reason why characters are getting involved with the plant. Obviously, you've got some interesting other ideas, but that sap, the concentration of it could vary depending on when the creature last fed. And if it had been a while, maybe, maybe the sap gets a really sort of strong medicinal or curative powers, possibly even magical and perhaps this is why the plant has developed these extreme defense measures because it's it's lifeblood is so valuable um yeah i i think that's a really cool creature and i agree making making that fake pool undrinkable seems fairly lackluster take care man
0: hey dave happy monday it's vance runner of hungry halflings in certain desert worlds and uh yeah i knew it that was a psionic trap in that plant but it still did not get did give me a pause there when we set it on fire and uh my character still heard noises coming out anyway um yeah like the resource management uh you know the um you know the gallows humor of uh you know character death and all that so i hope to be able to pop back in um and uh continue to explore some more be well man take care thanks bye
3: there we go so blood sucking plants good topic (laughs) I'm glad people enjoyed that, as you can hear from Vance i think it I think it went off okay uh, when it came up in the session, so yeah, I mixed it up with uh, a psionic lure uh, to make things more complicated and then i you know old school style I did the saves versus psionics on the player's behalf, so some of them saw and heard the bait. And others didn 't so i 'm not sure there were ever any really in any doubt that it was some kind of psionic trap, either the plant or a or a or a creature was luring them into this trap, uh, but there was still a little bit of discomfort when they burnt the plant, and some of the players could hear the shrieks <laughs> of the uh, of the unfortunate person that some of them thought might be trapped in it, and that 's the kind of Discomfort that I like, to, <laughs> I, like to get, I like to get going in my players. So that went all right. In the last session, we've had two sessions now. In the last session, they encountered one of the other uh, plants from this module, a sort of mass of writhing brains. And the description, I mean, there's a whole page. There's a whole page in this module devoted to three different cacti. And the writhing brains one, the description says it looks like a, a huge mass of writhing brains. That's pretty cool. Um... Then it says, if cut open, this horrible thing happens. So you just kind of think, well, the players are they're not stupid. They know not to just cut, cut something open. You know, why don't we cut that open? So, so there was no point saving that surprise. So this was one where I did just say to the players, look, this is what this weird plant does. Some of you have encountered it before. Um, you might want. The creatures that come out of it, you might want to tangle with them because they could be used for, for rope. And they said, you know what, we'll give that a miss. <laughs> and they moved on. And I thought, actually, that's enough. As Conrad said, we've established that this is, this is a rotten, horrible planet and everything's out to trample you or rip you up. <laughs> we, got the, we got the feel well in that feel in the first session. So we had a character death in the second session. We've had a retainer death. We've had the monstrous plants. Um, we've had some, yeah. They went in the first session. It was a bit hairier around the resources. There was some nervousness around the water. So I'm not, I'm not tracking food. I'm just tracking water. I thought about that. I thought about tracking both things. I thought, no, look, wh- one kind of stress is enough. Water is the tricky one. In the black hack, interestingly, you don't track water separately you just track rations so i just kind of think in dark sun the key thing is the water so we're just sort of hand waving food and that seems okay that's some interesting things in the second session uh classic dark sun is the you know there is the incorporation it's quite central to the setting that there is slavery um and that there's quite a lot of revolutionary activity in the setting. <laughs> There's a lot of overthrowing of the sorcerer kings and liberating of slaves. So I introduced, I introduced the liberation of slaves thread, thinking that that would start to get the uh, to get the campaign going. <laughs> and the players, the players were, were just interested in their com- completing their mission and getting paid. So so, so we established um, some of the ambiguous morality of the setting as well so that's quite you know seeing where the campaign's going to go that's quite satisfying that that particular issue will likely come up for them again but yeah there's been a lot of interest in the plaza i i i think in my in my hack of the setting i I'm going to give guidance on creating, rather than trying to convert all the dark sun creatures, I'm going to give guidance on creating creatures with a dark sun flavour. And definitely that will include some guidance on interesting desert plants, weird plants, psionic plants, carnivorous plants. I wonder if they got better at doing that in the modules. I'm trying to think of other examples of of carnivorous plants or whether that was that was there in that first module to establish the setting and it isn't a major feature later on I don't know I might as I continue to to go through I know some of the material more extensively than other parts and as I continue to sort of pick through that exhaustively I might have some more thoughts but definitely a couple of tables for creating interesting desert plants will be essential.
1: What up, Dave? It's Joe. And the fight you described with those crazy bugs where Spencer died, RIP, is the exact reason why I don't like Milestone XP, even though I almost solely use Milestone XP and have for years. it just its unfulfilling for me for the players i think because they wonder what's the point of getting in this fight we can just run away we're gonna get xp anyway let's just not fight there's no there's no meta motivation for the players to put their characters in peril with milestone leveling so yeah i think for my next campaign i'm gonna switch it up i feel like yeah it's more work but as a dm i should be willing to do that work to make the game more fulfilling for everyone i don't know great stuff dude dark sun rules peace out
3: yeah thanks joe i appreciate this this one's going to run a little bit i think so where i am on this is that i think milestone leveling works if you've got that overall campaign arc which motivates the players independently of advancement you know so so if, if if they know what their characters are trying to achieve and they're trying to trying to achieve those narrative ends, then then you can do the milestone leveling at, at some point where you agree that they're moving on the narrative. I, th- I think the problem comes is if you if you haven't got that arc, and that's why I say that it's not really working so so well for the West Marches because West Marches they do need that motivation to go down into the dungeon. It gold or killing monsters works really well. I mentioned in my response to the last um, call-in, I'm beginning to introduce that narrative arc. I mean, they won't be able to avoid it. (laughs) I've I've treated money so abstractly that it's not that exciting. Um, but, But they won't be able to avoid. The dark sun themes pretty much are... Uh, revolution and liberation here you know, all of the cities are dominated by evil sorcerer kings who are exploiting <laughs> slaves and the downtrodden uh, to to advance their own wicked ends um, and the, the, the meta plot of the setting was particularly concerned with um, the actions of a couple of these sorcerer kings and the ways they they were brought down i'm obviously either going to ignore that meta plot or, or operate in a way that it this sort of runs obliquely um, in relation to it but but i'm keeping that 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 going to be they're going to get tied up in in revolution and liberation one way or another you know and at, at that point once that takes over then the levelling will be fine. But, yeah, the other thing is they, they probably should. <laughs> they probably should have tried to w- run away from these creatures. I think the reason they didn't is because they hadn't quite grasped how weak they were. They didn't know how m- monstrous the creatures were. They didn't know how weak they were. They did try to hide, and it didn't work out. Um, and, and running away was an option. Um, you know, there, there really isn't, there isn't a motivation for... for for players when they're wandering the desert, characters to get stuck into combat if they can possibly avoid it. They're always much better avoiding it. And I think that's the lesson. In the second session, they were much uh, more averse to engaging with anything. (laughs) That's the thing. In fact, that was how it went. I I gave them some interesting... um, you know, an interesting location that was clearly... It was, it was quite obviously the nest of these creatures. <laughs> normally, oh, look, there's a, there's a dungeon. Let's go down, see what we can find. This time they're like, no, nah. <laughs> I don't think so. We're not having that. <laughs> Let's move on.
5: Hi, hey Dave. Spencer here. Um, yeah, how to jazz up a hex crawl across a featureless wasteland that's uh that's a toughie isn't it i mean i'm certainly not the guy to be giving advice uh in that respect but um uh, and you're right we were kind of hoping we didn't really encounter anything every time you rolled those dice and um yeah but the alternative is yes more sand i wonder if possibly you could pepper in a little more evidence of the people we are pursuing and what they've been up to, perhaps, I don't know. Anyway, enjoyed the episode and look forward to uh, playing a new character. Hey
2: David, it's Cody, I'm uh, just calling in on your Dark Sun recap. And yeah, man, it sounds like it was a really cool session, Um, and you know, the resource management facet of the game is probably one of the reasons I most play. Um, I don't know what it is, man, I just kind of, it tickles my fancy, I guess uh, you could say. Um, Anyway, I I hope to to get in on one of these games uh, someday soon, and uh, get out there and see the dark sun, so. Anyway, yeah, but keep it up. Great episode. Enjoying the campaign recaps later.
3: Yeah, thanks Spencer. Thanks, Cody. Listening to Cody there get out there and see the dark sun. That is one thing in the first and second session I don't think I referred to once. Central to the setting this gigantic red dying star. <laughs> Never once described it or talked about it. Maybe that's a maybe that's a table I could throw in for flavour. You know, a D8 of what's going on with the sun today, except that I think it is always just big and red and bulging. But maybe I could introduce some... some attitudes that the sun might take on on different days that might spice things up. Yeah, think about what Spencer said about spicing up the encounters. I mean... <laughs> wandering through a samey desert is an experience in itself i've been thinking about a few things actually i've got encounter tables the the creatures on the encounter tables are quite radically different so i was thinking about how to best do reaction rolls whether i might want to go the route of icrpg and do a little mini reaction roll for each individual creature or whether one of the things I've got in tables for each different terrain type, the different terrain types are quite distinctive of, of dark sun. And whether I want to have a reaction roll by terrain type. In some, in some terrains, it would make more sense that their creatures are hiding, and waiting to pounce, you know, there's more cover. Uh, and then I wondered if maybe I should have just really simple reaction rolls, but have a different one for nighttime and daytime. Um, what I've been doing at the moment is a version of the AD and D thing, where they say, "Well, if you travel at night, you're more likely to get attacked." Um, but maybe I should simplify that and make the make the encounter chance the same, but have the attitudes of the creatures that you encounter different depending on whether it's day or night so if it's day they're likely to be seeking shelter or if they are out in the open it might be because they've been made vulnerable in some way whereas if it's night time they're much more likely to be active and hunting yeah as i've said that out loud i like that i've um i've now managed to do yeah rather than having a different rule about how often you have the encounters I've i've managed to do something simpler there um and again something which helps to add flavour to the setting. One of the things I'm doing... It, I, I, wanted the, I wanted the players to map the hexes and I didn't want them to get into too many knots. So you, want, you, you, you always struggle with coming up with something interesting about getting lost. In some games it's fun to have them mapping and to have them mess their map up if they get lost. Um, there's always that question of whether you tell players they're lost or not. What I'm doing with getting lost in dark sun is just saying look um we roll to see if you get lost if you get lost you stay in that hex for that hour's travel so lost just means you don't successfully move and then i'm doing a similar thing with finding tracks i mean the 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 adventure will bomb if the if the characters can't find the tracks that they are following so again i was just going to say right you, you you can roll to look for the tracks And if you fail the roll, then you're stuck again for that hour. You're going to have to keep rolling till you find them. Now, both of those have the risk of sounding boring. You know, if you get lost, you're stuck for an hour. If you can't find the tracks, you're stuck for an hour. Until you then add in the resource pressures. And then (laughs) then if they find themselves hanging around in a particular hex for too long, they begin to get worried um, that they're going to start running out of water. So that way, I think it does still keep things interesting um but yeah coming up coming up with some ways of well, i just need a couple of tables i've done it with a good a good inspiration for this is goblins goblins henchman's uh, carapace uh, module can't say enough about that check it out and drive through rpg but one of the things he does there is he's got quite an extensive table of just different different Aspects that rooms could have in the hive, you know, they could smell particular ways. They could be sticky and you know, the desert is is not featureless and always the same So I could just do a quite extensive table of one-word aspects and then much like Goblins Henchman does in Carapace, just hand that over to the players to describe that hour of travel travel in relation to what comes up on the table. Maybe I'll do that. Maybe that that in itself is not quite in keeping with the dark sun thing, but certainly a, a table of what's going on in this hex for the desert uh, might be worth doing. Well, that one got huge. Loads of call-ins there. Thanks very much. Always happy to get them. Uh, I'm going to leave it as is because I've got even more dark sun to respond to. So, Thanks again to Jason from Nerds RPG Variety Cast, Goblins Henchman of the podcast of the same name, Conrad Kinch of Send Three and Fourpence, Barney of Lopo Ludus, Colin of Spike Pit, Vance, Joe of Hindsightless, Spencer of Keep Off the Borderlands and Cody of No Save For You. Keep well, everyone. I'll catch you soon.
2: Thank you for listening. If you'd like to contact Dave, please leave a message on Anchor, email dpercentile at gmail.com, or find him on Twitter at d underscore percentile.